Hello, hello, and welcome to Stories from the Studio. I am back this week after a quick week off, and this go-round we are going to be talking about Bell Hooks' discussion of critical fiction. First, I'm going to dive into a few quotes and just kind of touch base on what critical fiction is and how I was thinking about it when I first read this piece. And then for the last half, or really the majority of the podcast, I'm going to be discussing two texts, A Planet for Rent by Yas and Folding Beijing by Hao Jingfeng, and how I believe those two are um, critical fictions that I would like to incorporate into a classroom someday. So without further ado, here's Stories from the Studio. Alright, so for the first half of this podcast, I'm just going to briefly share a few quotes from the Hooks piece and then provide a little commentary on how it helped me understand critical fiction and um, the things it was making me think about. First, I want to address the fact that I have never heard of or come across the term critical fiction before, and I found that really surprising because in, you know, I've, I don't know how many ta- literature courses I've taken, but I'm just really surprised at the fact that it hasn't come up, especially because the two pieces that I'm going to be discussing later, A Planet for Rent and Folding Beijing, they're both, um, they're both sci-fi novels, and I read them during a, like, global science fiction course, um, and honestly, while I was thinking about this assignment and different critical fictions, I thought back to all of the books I read for that course, or all of the readings or viewings or what have you, and I think all of them quite closely tie into this idea of a critical fiction, and I'm just really um, surprised at the fact that we didn't cover this term or this idea, or even, I mean, in any of my other literature courses, there's, I think, critical fiction um, covers a wide range of stories, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I just wanted to address that because I really like this idea of a critical fiction, and I was really just really surprised by that, but I digress. Um, So the first quote I want to share is from page 55, and it says, critical fictions emerge when the imagination is free to wander, explore, question, transgress. And I think this just kind of speaks to the fact, the point that um, I just mentioned earlier, that so many um, texts, so many viewings can fit under this umbrella of a critical fiction, if we're defining it um, as something that allows our imagination to wander, explore, and question. Um, really, any text can do that, I, I believe, if it's um, read with certain lenses or if it's taught in a specific way. Um, So yeah, I think that was a really critical, um, important quote for me to understand what a critical fiction is. 
And I guess I shouldn't say that... Hmm, how do I want to phrase this? I think all texts could potentially be critical fictions, but we're maybe not always reading them with that lens. I think some books, novels, stories, what have you, can't be read without this critical fiction sort of lens. And I think there are some stories, um, I can't exactly think of one right now. Well, maybe um, Where the Wild Things Are, for example. If you're a kid and you're reading that story and you're not trying to think about it critically in any sort of way, and you're not like questioning, you know, what's happening in there, I wouldn't necessarily consider that a critical fiction. But if you do, you know, you put your critical fiction glasses on and then you're thinking, you know, you're allowing yourself to think about all of the um, themes that are within it and the implications of the text, then I think maybe that could potentially be considered critical fiction. Um, I think those are just the thoughts that I was having with that quote. Uh, and then another quote that I wanted to pull and discuss is from page 57, and it reads, quote, readers of critical fiction cannot approach work assuming that they already process a language of access or that the text will mirror realities they already know and understand. So this quote, I think, talks about language um, in a couple of different ways. At least I was thinking about it in that way. First off, there's this language of access of um, are these stories telling experiences I already know? Or am I learning something, experiencing something new? And then also there's the other side of actual, like, written text language. Um, and like the words that are on the page and do I know, like, what that word physically says? Like, is it written in English, Spanish, you know, what have you. Um, and so I guess what it's saying is that readers can't just read critical fiction texts and assume that they're gonna automatically understand all of the languages within that text, whether it be like the situations that are happening or whether it be the conversations. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't think I articulated that like I would have loved to, but I'm going to circle back to this quote in the second half of the podcast when I discuss um, the critical fictions that I identified. And I'm actually going to transition into that now. I'm going to take a quick little break and then I will be back to discuss A Planet for Rent by Yas and Folding Beijing by Hao Jingfeng. So I'll be right back. Okay, so I know it's kind of cheating, but I picked two critical fiction texts that I would potentially like to teach in my own classroom someday. Uh, the first one is A Planet for Rent by Yas, and the second one is Folding Beijing by Hao Jingfeng. Both of these texts are sci-fi novels, 
um, and they were both originally written in a different language. A Planet for Rent was originally written and published in Spanish, and Folding Beijing was originally written in Chinese. Um, so I think first I'm just going to go ahead and dive into A Planet for Rent. And so this text I was just going to like briefly mention and then dive into Folding Beijing. Um, because honestly I didn't, when I've read both of these texts for a like global science fiction course I had last semester. Um, and I did not really enjoy A Planet for Rent all that much. But as I was kind of taking notes, um, going back through my old notes and reading it again, um, I just think there's so much in here and so many possibilities for it to be taught as a critical fiction text that I wanted to spend a little more time on it, even though it wasn't my favorite novel. And then um, Folding Beijing, I absolutely love that story. I did um, a final project on that story. And I'll dive into that a little bit later, but I might keep that conversation a bit more brief. So anyways, A Planet for Rent. Um, first, I'm just going to read a quick little summary from Google, just so you have an understanding of what this text is. I literally stole this summary directly from Google, so all credit goes to them. Uh, it says, in A Planet for Rent, Yas critiques life under Castro, the leader of Cuba at the time, in the 90s by drawing parallels with the possible Earth of the not-so-distant future. Racked by economic and environmental problems, the desperate planet is rescued, for better or worse, by alien colonizers, who remake the planet as a tourist destination." End quote. Uh, and so I think, although this text is speaking directly to um, Cuba in the 90s, there are a lot of parallels that can be made beyond that. Um, as you heard in that quote, economic and environmental problems, um, colonizers, and tourists, commentary on tourists as well. Um, so there's a lot happening. <laughs> a lot of themes, a lot of... Um, conversations big conversations to be had to be had uh, and so this is this is why when I first read that quote about um, critical fictions emerge when the imagination is free to wander explore question transgress I immediately thought of this text because not only is there um, this world that Yas creates where the mind has to like wander and question the things that are happening there, um, but the mind also has to, like, grapple with these concepts and um, commentary that's happening within this planet, but also, like, relate that back to Earth. I know I'm not articulating that very well because I don't, like, when it comes to, like, sci-fi novels, I don't typically read them. And there's like all of these, I get, very, I get very confused when it comes to like the world that the aliens live on. And like then there's the humans and there's just like so much going on that I sometimes get confused. Um, so I know I'm not articulating this very well, but I immediately thought of this text 
because there is all of this um, back and forth commentary on tourism and environmentalism and um, all of that good stuff. So that is basically my rationale for why this is a critical fiction text. Um, and I think there are so many things that could be taught and ways to incorporate this into a classroom. I think specifically what I was thinking about was using this text to introduce two terms and to teach those two terms, which is um, the novum and noologies. That's how you pronounce it, N-E-O-L-O-G-I-E-S. Um, and so a novum is a quote-unquote new thing. It introduces something new into the world or story and causes readers and characters to grapple with the cause and effects. Um, a novum has to be different from our world, but also be consistent within itself. In A Planet for Rent, there are these things called body spares, which um, is essentially a way for like the different aliens in the story to travel between their planet and earth so it's kind of like a commentary on enslavement and um, human trafficking but anyways that is one way i would use this text is to teach this term novum i guess and then also um, newologies are new languages or new linguistic forms it's an attempt to convince us that the imagined world exists, and um, it initially produces strangeness to the reader. It interrupts the flow of reading, uh, asking us to adapt as visitors or foreigners. And in this text, that happens quite a bit. Um, for example, there is this term... It's <laughs> I'm going to botch the pronunciation, so I apologize. Um, Metizotes, M-E-S-T-I-Z-O-S. It's a it's a Spanish term that refers to someone of a mixed race. It means mixed in Spanish, but it refers to someone of a mixed race. And I apologize for botching the pronunciation. Um, and so, in the story, this term is used um, as like the name of a specific race of people or aliens um and they're kind of looked down upon um and they're oppressed in this story and just different different things happen to them but anyways that is an example of a newology and there are plenty plenty of them in this story that I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't like it very much because I it interrupted the flow of my reading and I felt like a you know, as it's, it, it asks us to adapt as visitors or foreigners. And I had to do that. I felt like a foreigner within the text because um, I felt like a visitor because I didn't know the terms that I was reading and I got frustrated. And even then, even um, with this mestizos, mestizo, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I should stop trying. But even with that term, um, I didn't know what it meant until we were talking about it in a class discussion one day and someone said well that means mixed in Spanish and then um, it all kind of 
started clicking. So I think that would be a great way to introduce that term as well. And also this kind of commentary on languages and creating worlds um, reflects back to the quote from Hooks about how readers of critical fiction cannot approach work assuming they already process a language of access, which is how I originally um, went into these texts, these sci-fi novels. I just assumed like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. I'm totally going to understand what I'm reading. It's going to be fine. And I actually really struggled and I um, had to kind of rework my thinking and the way that I approached this text. So that's always thinking about A Planet for Rent. Um, and then just briefly, I'm going to discuss Folding Beijing by Hao Jingfeng. This, um, I think it's published as a short story kind of in various different places. I read it within the book Invisible Planets, contemporary Chinese science fiction in translation, translated and edited by Ken Liu. Um, I think this Ken Liu um, translated it to English because he um, wanted to make Chinese science fiction more accessible. Um, but I think there's something to be said about translations within this text and within A Planet for Rent, like what gets lost when an entire text is translated from its um, the original language it was published in. Um, and I don't know, I can't remember how A Planet for Rent was translated, but I know that Folding Beijing um, Ken worked with the authors of the original texts to make sure the meaning stayed the same. But I think, you know, there is the potential that some things get lost in that. So how do we um, approach critical fictions when that is the case? I think it's a question to consider when teaching. Um, so talking about the text, specifically Folding Beijing is about, uh, it follows uh, the main character through his journey. Um, I guess I didn't pull a summary from Google for this one and I guess I should have. Uh, basically there's three different spaces within Beijing and um, each space represents like the different classes, lower, middle, and upper. And then um, each space has like a specific allotted amount of time within the day and like Upper class people get like all of the daylight and more hours of the day and lower class people get like a s short amount of time during the night to um, have the town, I guess. And then it like folds within itself. And when it folds within itself, then um, everyone has to go to bed. So, or like you can't be out and about because the city is folded in. It's very, that's another kind of one of those like novums it's kind of hard to wrap your head around like a city folding in on itself but anyways basically folding beijing is commentary on um class systems and who is privileged and who isn't um there's some other conversations happening there as well um but yeah i think this is also a great critical fiction text because of again just the way that your imagination 
can kind of explore the world first and foremost, explore a folding Beijing, like, that's just, I don't know, an interesting image in, in and of itself. Um, but then also the ways that readers can question um, the hierarchies and the class systems and who who's privileged and who isn't and how those things all work. Um, I think one way that it would be interesting to teach this text is um, kind of the way that I used it as my final project. I uh, So for my final project in the sci-fi course, I created three postcards. I drew what I imagined each um, space, like each class would look like in, within Folding Beijing. Um, and so I just, I think that having students maybe do like visual representations of what they believe these worlds would look like, or, um, you know, even writing, whatever the student prefers, I guess. It's always great to have student choice. Um, having students kind of work through the thoughts that they're having on critical fiction and maybe just how it makes them think about our world differently. You know, when you have like a sci-fi type um, idea of something, have them try and relate it back to more, I don't want to say real world because this is kind of the real world. <laughs> there I go, not being able to articulate my sci-fi sci-fi words, but I don't know, just basically using Folding Beijing and having like a final project or a end of the unit project that would allow students to relate the concepts that we are um, discussing kind of back to their world, I guess, and um, how it maybe made them think differently about things. Hopefully that makes sense. I think it was a little bit all over the place, but that's okay. That's, you know, that's my mind. That's how life is. It's a Monday. That's right. It's going to be a beautiful week. It's a beautiful day outside. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. And until next time, this was Stories from the Studio.